Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. It's all about luxury. That's what we learned last night at the Oscars, watching that. Well, everyone but Chris Rock, Chris Rock learned that. OutKick 360 rolls on. Final hour of the show is already here. Um, we will hit uh, plenty of news and notes on the Final Four. We will recap a bit of some of the quarterback carousel that is ongoing across the NFL. About to check in with PK. Quickly, Hutton, uh, David Spade, one of Chris Rock's best friends, <laughs> yes. has chimed in, and all he, all he tweeted was, a G.I. Jane joke? Question mark? <laughs> Which is perfect. That's <laughs> yeah, it. That's, that's what... his only comment. That's the one that set it off? Unbelievable. That was Chris Rock's response, too, in the un- unedited version where you could hear him respond. He said, dude, it's a G.I. Jane joke. We are uh, headed down to West Palm Beach at the Breakers, which is where uh, Paul Kaharski with paulkaharski.com is uh, set up and ready to go with the news and notes and 360 headlines from the league meetings. PK, uh, you, you were talking with several NFL coaches, one of them Mike Vrabel today. Um, but kind of give everyone an idea of the setting and the vibe here where you're at breakfast with these guys and that's where the media has a chance to chat and kind of get into some details of off-season plans. And we may have him muted somehow, guys. Your we sound won't. is off, Paul. I don't know if it's on our end or yours. Yeah, we don't know which one it is. Hard to tell based on Zoom. So one moment and we will get back to PK. We'll get back to him. The life of Zoom. We'll hear all about the various juices that were consumed at the owners' meeting <laughs> at West Palm Beach. <laughs> what does Stephen Ross prefer? Do Pineapple you, juice? Do you think they have a juicer? Grapefruit like juice? They, 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 right in front of you, they'll, they'll make the juice? I love the hotels that have like the old school juice you can see. You know, the various fruit juices that it's like pumping the liquid throughout, almost like, yeah, a, like a margarita machine. Cascade, almost. yeah, but you can see the juices. Yeah, I picture something much more high-end at this. Almost someone that's there hand-squeezing the juice for you. <laughs> it's, just, it's just employees at this place yes. that are hand-squeezing various juices for you every morning for breakfast. That's what I envision for all these owners hey, and we, coaches and GMs. Like a, a bunch of uh, Mike Moos that are there. Like uh, right. Vince, Vince Young's uh, personal... Per- personal assistant who would go get dry cleaning and pick up the twins. I think every owner should have a, a juicer on hand. <laughs> By juicer, I mean someone that just sits there and squeezes the juice for them. Guys, are we trying this again or are we moving on? I don't know what we're doing. Okay. Here we're, we go. We're going to try Paul again. Should Paul, can you hear for us? Me. Okay, there, go. there we should go. be good yeah. for me. Um, there, there were uh, carafts of juice at the breakfast, but it, this is not working conventional, uh, times. I was at the Arizona Biltmore, which quite frankly was a lot better than this. And the coach used to come in, he would eat breakfast and then he would engage in discourse with reporters who sat at a, you know, big table that sat maybe 12 people and others would gather around the table. 
this was not that. They had a room that was about half that size and podiums with coaches with amplified uh, audio. The amplified audio would have been fine. I don't know why they found the room that was half the size. So it, it held all the noise in. It was like a marble room. And then we were invited to go outside and eat breakfast in a courtyard after that, which was nice. It was a, a fine and lovely breakfast I had from the carafe of orange juice and some water. I did like the rest of the menu, scrambled eggs, uh, bacon and sausage, little chocolate croissant. It was, it was tasty, but I did not, in fact, see Mike Vrabel or any of the other coaches eat. So in the past, Paul, do you sit and watch the coaches and owners eat their breakfast <laughs> and then approach them? How, how does that work? Do you wait until they're done and then they say, okay, they wipe their mouth with their napkin and then you approach? Kind of. It, it was intended that you eat simultaneously, but then the reporters would arrive so early to get their, their places. You would either eat well in advance of them or after them. So it did become a little bit like um, watching them eat, which is probably why they, they changed it. But it was a better system than today's. Also, driving in here, the ID check, you would have thought uh, we were, we were uh, crossing uh, the Ukrainian border um, in or out. There was an ID check procedure. The, the line went out onto the street. I thought I was going to miss Mike Vrabel, quite frankly, and was in uh, utter panic. I've got a sponsor, Brimac. Thank you. And um, I, I thought, this is great. They, they fun funded this trip, and I'm going to miss my coach uh, talking for half an hour because I'm out on the street because of this ID checking procedure. Then they finally led us into the lot and I parked somewhere that the valet guy didn't like. When I got out of the car, he said, you can't park here. And I said, I'm late for work. This is where I'm parking. You missed your chance to tell me not to park here while I was parking here and you were nowhere to be seen. All right, let's hit the headlines. So uh, last week and then all over the weekend, and I'm sure it's, it's a big story for those covering the Buffalo Bills, there's a massive win for the Pagulas, who own the Buffalo Bills. They are getting from the state of New York a reported $1 billion to subsidize a new stadium. Um, that discussion is going on right now across the state of Tennessee with the Tennessee Titans, where today we learned through a report of Nate Rao of Axios that it will be $500, $500 million is the reported offer from the state of Tennessee that comes with some caveats attached to it, including a dome, including a roof, an uh, indoor facility that will be able to host major events, major being Super Bowl caliber events, Final Fours, college football playoff games and championships, and, and much, much more. Uh, Paul, what was the discussion there from the Titans' perspective? And, and year-round concerts. That didn't come out until uh, after, but the, the people I talked to with the organization are certainly – in line with that, um, I do get the sense that I, I think we're presuming that the city and the Titans are, you know, super close. I, I don't think it is uh, on the doorstep, uh, we might say, but this certainly would give a boost um, that the state is is going to, to account for 500 million, which, you know, in many ways could be the price, uh, the, the price difference between open air uh, venue and and a uh, enclosed venue I think is is big the state obviously has an interest like you said in in Nashville being able to host all those kind of events and year-round concerts and having this be um, perpetually in use with weather being a non-factor 
Um, so I think that's a terrific part of it. The Titans and the city have to continue to work at this. I do not think that um, architects and plans are in the mix yet. So that would tell you where the state and the, and the team have to get bef- still before they would get moving on that. Because I think once you get to a certain point, guys, you would say, okay, well, we could have the architects start working on plans here simultaneously while we finish things up. I don't think they've reached that point yet. So now it's up to Metro Nashville and the Titans to figure out exactly how this thing gets paid for, put together and what kind of uh, time uh, cycle gets going. I did uh, get one indication thinking, and I know there's a 2026 potential time cycle on this. The World Cup would be that summer. And uh, I think if the World Cup is in Nashville, I had one inkling that that the World Cup could conceivably be the last thing in the old building rather than the first thing in the, in the new building. Quick note, Hutton, because you made the comparison with New York State and the Bills and the state of Tennessee with the Titans. The state of New York's tax revenue in 2021 was $84.4 billion. State of Tennessee last year was $12 billion. So in terms of commitment, that's still a much bigger commitment <laughs> from the state of Tennessee, given the tax revenue discrepancy between the two states and how much revenue they, they generate. Stadiums Just cost the same. Yes. Stadiums cost the same. I, so. I, I'm aware, but I'm saying from the state of Tennessee, to give a billion, they're giving up one-eleventh of their revenue well, for a year. It's $85 billion. That's one-eighty-fifth of the state of New York that they're giving to the Bills. The, the state is also telling the Titans that they'll have to put a roof on the stadium if they want to accept the $500 million. And rightfully I, I mean, so. This is a done deal. Rightfully that so, it's because if they be do this, that's the only way to do it. Because that's the only way to guarantee you're getting the major events that's going to generate the tax revenue that the state wants in return. And keep right? the hotels full. Yeah, I mean that's that's the only way. They're not going to do it with an outdoor stadium. We know that. Even if it's brand new and state of the art, they're going to have to at least have the option of a roof. And here comes the discussion, Paul, that we we have with all the new stadiums of um, you know how much give and take you you have. In the with the NFL, with the the ownership, and with the city itself, the the NFL has long showed that if you build a new stadium, and as a governing body locally or across your state, you help jump in on that payment price, they'll they'll bring you a Super Bowl, and it'll be sooner rather than later. It's not like you're waiting 15 years; they'll put you in the rotation four years down the road. Um, that, that would be the immediate expectation here. If, if the stadium's built in 2026, the Titans are hosting a Super Bowl by 2030. I've got something brewing on that where I've talked to an NFL uh, official and I've got a little bit more give and take coming on that. Um, and of course, the Titans will have to apply. But the Titans also would be eligible for some NFL assistance. I don't, I don't think any of these buildings, maybe SoFi, because Kroenke, I think, single-handedly funded that, which is the way I think we all agree all of these things should ideally work. Um, but um, NFL chips in out of this fund, stadium fund on all, all of these things. Uh, and, and then the understanding generally is, yeah, you build a building and, and you, you get a Super Bowl um, at least once. There is no official rotation anymore, but once you host one, if you're in a reasonable weathered city, uh, and you have a venue that's up for it, and this would qualify on both fronts, I would imagine. Um, 
God forbid the Titans have terrible weather the, the week of that first Super Bowl. Um, but then you, you apply and you would get uh, back. No, I think that application process actually has is, is, uh, kind of gone away. I'll have to check on that in this conversation I'm due to have. You just can't screw it up whenever you host it. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not trying to say that the, these, these venues have screwed it up, uh, but it, we haven't seen one back in Indy. We have not seen one back in Detroit. Um, and, and Indy's been relatively recent. And those cold weather cities are generally not going to get it as frequently as New Orleans, Arizona, Los Angeles, uh, Florida, uh, Miami. It'd be a, a longer span in between. I expect Indianapolis to get another one because it was so well received. It just won't be as frequently because, uh, you know, sponsors want warm. Can, can it ever, can a city ever mess it up with the NFL's help with this? Yes. Jacksonville completely screwed it up. So that's the one. They're, they're, I, they're but, in warm weather. They're in Florida and they've hosted exactly one Super Bowl. Yeah. And that, that's the one because of lack of hotels, right? They had the river boats come up with the hotel rooms. Yeah, I also I mean, that, think that, that probably wasn't wasn't eager to go to Jacksonville often. That stadium's dilapidated now. Well, I, I, uh, I only Fox say that is, because is poorly suited for it. That was a long time ago. That was 2004. So we're going on 20 years close to that since that happened. I feel like the NFL they have such stringent stipulations for hosting a Super Bowl that they set it up where the bare minimum is destined to be successful. They're not going to allow for failure from a city because they make everything so difficult and the standard is so high to host a Super Bowl that it's set up never to fail. And we know Nashville will kill it. I mean, Nashville's a big event city. Uh, everything Nashville's done pertaining to the NFL or big events has been big hits. And uh, that draft in Nashville certainly echoes uh, in the ears of the NFL. See, I, I think new stadium, you get a Super Bowl, even if it's outdoor here, um, with a roof on it, I'm expecting the, the, the city to be in the rotation for Super Bowls. This isn't a one-off by any means. Uh, I, I think it all depends on uh, – oh, yeah, it, it, with an indoor stadium, I think uh, you know the determination would be about what they think of the weather in Nashville, Tennessee in, in early February. I don't know that there's a comp, really, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a unique uh, circumstance. And I think Nashville being a great host would have to offset uh, Nashville February weather, which, face it, sometimes is going to be in the 60s and sometimes it's going to be in the 30s. Well, we're getting a big response to this in our YouTube chat. I think too many people fall into one camp or the other. There's the camp that, well, you got to have this because I want these events. I want Super Bowl. I want Final Four. I want college football playoff games championships the city needs that it's a it's a modern big city that needs things like this and then you have the titans fan who only sees it from eight home games in that perspective saying football is meant to be played on natural grass and outside i agree with that statement if i'm looking at this strictly from a titans perspective i'd prefer the games be played outdoors and on grass because i'm a purist when it comes to that but you have to combine the two because a lot of people are saying, well, the weather's great in the fall, typically in Nashville. That's true. It's not typically good in January and February. And they are worried more about, if you're the state of Tennessee, you got the revenue from the eight home games. Regardless for the Titans, you're looking at college football championships. You're looking at Super Bowls. And guess what else you're looking at? They don't play basketball outdoors in Final Fours. And you're now going to get men's Final Fours in Nashville. I think that adds to the rotation also and not just a one-off. So 
you got to look at the totality of it with the Titans, with the city, with all the events, and that's why the roof, even if retractable, is, is necessary. And concerts, not just in winter when it's really cold, but in summer when it's really blazing hot, which I think a lot of us have gotten used to going to, but we're going to realize uh, how much more we like it in 72 degrees on an August night uh, or uh, the, the CMA fest, right? When, when people go and melt all weekend and how much better that might be in 72 degrees. And I'm not huge on an indoor venue, but I completely understand the rationale for it. Well, it keeps you in the loop for literally every major event, everything. you know, everything. Um, it's, it's fascinating. And when you start looking at the money, so Vegas gave the Raiders $750 million. That was funded by the, the local, local um, area. You have Buffalo and the, the state of New York now giving a billion dollars. That's a stadium that's going to cost approximately 1.4. And that was a hold my beer type moment by the Pagulas on public funding. And, you know, here, 500 million plus whatever the, the local uh, Nashville government wants to kick in, whatever the city government wants to kick in. This is from the state level. Uh, a lot more coming in that regard. When we come back, a lot more coming from Florida. We'll get into wide receiver money. And the mentality of the teams trading for the wideouts, making top dollar, and what it says about the teams moving on from the top dollar wide receivers and the common denominator that most of these teams have when they choose to make this move. That and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Talking NFL headlines on Outkick 360. The headlines today being made in West Palm Beach for the league meetings that are underway with all the NFL owners. The head coaches are there as well. It's always a very awkward photo. Um, I'm always surprised. Maybe I should be at this point. I'm always surprised at how sloppy some of these dudes look. Like at these annual meetings for this photo where they take all 32 coaches and stand them up in no particular order, by the way. You can be the shortest coach in the league, and they'll put you in the back row behind some tall guy. Behind Vrabel. Yeah, makes no sense. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, a week where we do hear some thoughts and get some news and notes on, for instance, NFL rules changes. 
Paul, what's the latest there? Where I know that the, a lot of the discussion has been with the NFL overtime rules. Anything today on the, in that regard? My sense is there's not a lot of support for Mike Vrabel and the Titans proposal for a, uh, you'd be able to finish overtime with a touchdown, one possession touchdown, only if you validate it, so to speak, with a two-point conversion. Um, I suspect, based on what I've heard from a few NFL people and NFL media who's been monitoring it, is that it either doesn't change or it changes to two separate rules, one for the regular season, keeping things as they are, and one for the postseason where both teams would have a chance to touch the ball. In which case, guys, I think you would prefer to uh, kick off in overtime, let the other team touch the ball first, because if they score, then you um, know what you would need to do and you'd be in four down territory, right? Plus, if the other team scores a uh, uh, field goal, you know, you could kick a field goal to extend the game, uh, score a touchdown to win the game. Um, if they score a touchdown, then, like I said, you'd be going, uh, going for it on fourth down throughout, whereas if you had possession first, um, you wouldn't be necessarily going for it on fourth down. You might be comfortable kicking a field goal, uh, all of those permutations. So it would change uh, the meaning of the coin toss in overtime in the postseason, I think. It's basically the college rule. I mean, that's going to be the decision, just like in college, where you go on defense first to know what the other team does, except you're just not starting at the 25. Your Both teams are kicking off and playing it straight up, but with both teams getting the ball, you're right, Paul. It makes the decision pretty easy to go on defense first to know what you need when you get the ball. I did talk to Lovey Smith about it, who said he did find uh, Vrabel's proposal intriguing, but he emphasized that right now you have the potential to get the ball back on defense. Um, you know, and I think some people are probably emphasizing that uh, the Bengals did that, right? They intercepted a pass uh, in the AFC championship game to go down and kick a field goal to, to advance the Super Bowl. Hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts at OutKick360 or join chat in the chat. Um, Chat's on fire today. Oh, good. It's been, it's been a fun chat. Uh, wide receiver value continues to rise, Paul. It's, look, uh, we're, seeing, we're seeing quarterbacks get $50 million now, the best. And we're also seeing the best quarterbacks watch their top receivers leave uh, via trade, where Patrick Mahomes has Tyreek Hill traded to, I say has, watched Tyreek Hill get traded to Miami. Aaron Rodgers gets $50 million a season. Devontae Adams traded to Vegas. And what the teams are saying is it's much easier to pay your top elite quarterback money and ship out your top elite wide receiver and replace them in the draft or with someone younger and cheaper and more affordable um, and, and get draft picks in return. And there are teams out there that are willing to trade for these top flight wide receivers, especially if, A, you don't have the elite quarterback or, B, you might, but you're not sure. And you can elevate the play of your roster while you figure it out. I asked Nathaniel Hackett, the new coach of the Broncos, about it, um, who obviously coached uh, Devontae Adams uh, with the offense in Green Bay. And he said he doesn't think it's so much about wide receiver value overall. He said he thinks it's about specific player value. 
And that if you've got, you know, he didn't name names, but he was saying, basically, if you've got Devontae Adams or if you've got Tyreek Hill, that a special, special player at that position, then they're worth maybe uh, a big trade and a big, big contract. But, um, you know, I'm looking ahead, Hutt and Chad. Next year, you've got three guys that, that fit the bill, only three guys, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and D.K. Metcalf. So I don't know that we see an outpouring of monster contracts for wide receivers next year or massive trades. There's a guy in Boston who keeps saying, you know, uh, the Patriots are keeping their eyes on these three guys. Well, I, you know, maybe Seattle's trading D.K. Metcalf because they were in a big rebuild. But I don't think the Titans are doing anything with A.J. Brown before they get to franchise or, or new trade at new contract time. And I think Debo Samuel's going to be a fixture in San Francisco. That's why you see all these headlines. Uh, Jim Wyatt in particular is harping on it. You know, AJ's our guy and, and he's not going anywhere. It's because this guy in Boston's getting all this hype as if, as if there's some threat of AJ Brown leaving. Well, I mean, if AJ Brown leaves, I think it'll be because they can't, they reach an impasse after our franchise tag year in 2023, but I fully expect the Titans to get a deal done with him. And there's not a, a huge group of wide receivers who are coming to available time where I don't think more of these trades could happen um, with guys, guys getting there. I think their teams are going to retain them or want to. Well, I think, I think the guy in Boston, and I don't know who's writing this, so you'll have to give him credit because I don't know. I don't uh, know his name. Okay, okay. Um, I think he's he's right on, on part of the conversation. The part is you have to have a, a quarterback that you're paying either top dollar or near top dollar, dollar for. Because what that would entail is if you have an A.J. Brown, and if, if the Titans, let's hypothetically, Paul, say they had Aaron Rodgers. If they have Aaron Rodgers and A.J. Brown, that's 70 to $75 million dollars allotted to two players on a 53-man roster on a salary cap. That is a lot for two players on a 53-man roster. That's a big chunk. That's a big percentage. And what you're seeing, what we're seeing, and what the Packers and the Chiefs have just told us is they can replace those dudes that they've traded off with younger, more affordable talent. And meanwhile, they're willing to pay the premium price for their quarterbacks in order to do so. Uh, and and so I think the the Boston guy is right in that respect, but wrong in thinking that just because it's a premium wide receiver that that player is on the market. You also have to be paying top dollar to your quarterback, which is going to be double, if not sometimes triple, what your top wide receiver is making on your roster. That's the big difference. The Titans can afford A.J. Brown because they can get out from the Brian Tannehill contract Brian Tannehill. next offseason. Is this happening multiple places? Because I saw the Jets riders writing about this A.J. Brown trade all weekend. Is this just now uh, the thing? May, may, maybe I'm mistaking New England for Jets. I, I think I am, Chad, so that's my mistake. Yeah, the, the, um, in- I, I get what you're saying, Hutt, but here's the thing. I was talking to somebody else about voidable years here yeah. and that they're becoming more popular, and they were saying, you know, it's not – they're becoming more popular not by accident. People are anticipating big cap increases – with these TV deals uh, set to the money from the TV deals set to amp up. And I think, you know, and we've seen it before, uh, you know, as percentage of the cap, 
Joe Montana and Jerry Rice were both getting paid. You know, we've seen high-priced quarterbacks with high-priced receivers plenty of times in the past, and I think we'll see them plenty of times in the future. I think these were just two unique situations. Kansas City thinks it's able to regenerate, and I don't doubt that to be the case. I'm not so sure um, that Green Bay hasn't made a mistake. Well, maybe so, but by and large, the mistake would be on paying Rodgers the $50 million and not keeping Devontae Adams to pair with him. It's not moving forward. They, they were looking at Devontae Adams uh, much more long-term than they would have been Rodgers, right? And, and that, that, to me, plays a factor in all this because um, A.J. Brown, for instance, has made $5.7 million so far in his career. He's about to get more than $20 million per season based on the contracts that are being divvied out for NFL wide receivers. And regardless of, I mean, regardless of how you feel about where the wide receiver ranks on your roster, quarterback money's only going up, and I can guarantee you ownership uh, down in Florida, they're pissed at the Haslam's because they just gave fully guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson. And that is now going to be what the top quarterbacks require. They're, they're all going to look for the Deshaun Watson contract. It's no longer going to be uh, what we're seeing with Prescott, what we're seeing with Mahomes. So now you've got to balance that out when your franchise quarterback has a, a contract that's worthy of being either picked up, renewed, extended, however you want to look at it. And you have to factor that in with two positions. And with the Packers and the Chiefs, they're looking at it saying, we're going to have to replace one position, and it's much easier to do it at wide receiver. Here, here's where it goes too, Hut. Um, like in the Titans situation, they need to draft a good receiver this year mm-hmm. who gets them in sync on the accounting table, right? So, uh, look, ideally they're on a rookie quarterback contract next year, whatever. Right. But you want to step your wide receiver. So Robert Woods is making $10 million. A.J. Brown could be in line for – 20 to 25 million dollars but you need a guy coming in this year who's on a rookie contract for the next four years who's the next aj brown and so that's what the the packers don't really have right the packers are the team that's in a hole at wide receiver they're counting on two guys coming in making rookie salary and exploding they needed that guy last year they need that guy to be in year two right now to have the confidence that they've got that receiver weapon he should have shown up last year. And then they can be confident going forward without, Devon, without Devontae Adams, knowing they're going to be okay instead of coming into this season saying, wow, we really need two rookie wide receivers to be good right out of the gate, which is a dangerous proposal. You're counting on unproven stuff, and you're saying, oh, our magical quarterback's going to make that happen. Well, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. And, I mean, uh, the other teams uh, – that. The teams that are trading away the talent are also seeing they can get a very high return for for trading these guys, regardless of where their salary is. Like Vegas not only traded for Devontae Adams, gave up those picks, they're willing to make Devontae Adams the highest paid wide receiver, and Green Bay was willing to pay him $20 million on a franchise tag if he would have signed that. Meanwhile, we, we know what Tyreek Hill got. They're getting traded, they're getting picks, and the players getting the money that they – would have had to divvy up had they waited another year in Kansas City. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, really by the line you, of thinking there. And this really leads you into the circular thing. We're going to watch this all year. How much better did Devontae Adams make Aaron Rodgers? That's a fair question. I used to ask this 
you know, Jerry Rice, everybody always said, well, Joe Montana and Steve Young had Jerry Rice. And nobody ever asked the question the other way. Well, how much better did Jerry Rice make Montana and Young? We're going to see answers to that question. I don't want to say so much with Tua, but with Carr, who's a pretty good quarterback, now he gets the best wide receiver. How much better does Devontae Adams make Derek Carr? That's, that's a fair question that we're going to watch all year and get a good answer to. But, but still, so let's, let's hypothetically say Tua becomes a pro bowler with this pair. A lot of credit goes to Tyreek Hill. A lot of credit, but a lot of money is going to go to Tua Tungavaloa, whose contract's nearly expiring. And you have to, you, now you've got the highest paid wide out. You've got the highest, you see what I'm saying? Like you have to, yeah. right now, based on the cap, and I, I realize that teams can maneuver money and they can, they can make some wiggle room wherever they see fit by restructuring contracts. But if you're just looking at the bare just money involved here, if you're devoting $70 million of a $210 million cap to two players, that's a third of your cap that's going something like, you're going to have to make a move somewhere else in order to make that work. And I think that's asking a lot. I think it's much easier. Yeah, just accounting to go, gets complicated. Yes. And now you've got to have all young quarterbacks or right. not pay linebackers. Yeah. The, the benefit of, of extending Tannehill and maneuvering his contract was on average, you're only paying AJ Brown $1.7 million per season right now. I mean, that is a huge bargain. Uh, meanwhile, you shift to a bargain somewhere else. Meanwhile, you're able to, in in LA with the Chargers, you can trade for Khalil Mack and you can sign, uh, you know, the top flight corner because you're J- Justin Herbert's on a rookie deal. You're not paying him yet, but all of those big money contracts will will come back around whenever it's time to pay Herbert. Those guys will be either on the move via trade or on the street via free agency, and and you have to go all in where you can. And for the Dolphins, all in was trying to go with Tyreek Hill. And we certainly with the Raiders, Devontae Adams is uh, – that is a huge uh, tentpole moment for them that they can pair with what they hope will be a new contract for Derek Carr, who's going into contract number three soon. Um, aside from that, Paul, any free agency news and notes down there today? That Most, most of the news had to do with trades this offseason. And I'm assuming, going back to the, the contract for Deshaun Watson – most of the owners behind the scenes are not happy about that because that now sets a new precedent for a top five caliber QB. Well, whoever the next quarterback is that's due that big contract. It's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and he doesn't have an agent. He's going to need to get himself an agent. Um, because, and he's going to need to play better, right? Um, I think you got to really hold the line if you're the Ravens and make that Deshaun Watson contract uh, an exception instead of the new rule. And that's going to be hard to do, I understand. But if you fall in line with that, the whole economics of the league have changed. Are you going to let one deal do that? I I don't know, Hutt. I mean, I'm not giving Lamar Jackson five years with every penny guaranteed. Well, that's not – you don't have to, but all he has to say is trade me and I'll get it somewhere else. That's the new. That's the new precedent. He'll get it. Yeah. And, and and I think that's the ownership point of it. Another owner will now have to get the guaranteed money or give the guaranteed money. Uh, and and a part of this too is you have to put this in escrow, which owners don't want to do. You know, they're, they're, some of them don't have. Some of them aren't liquid enough. Exactly. Exactly. So um, by going outside the box with this contract, which the Haslam's did, and more power to them. Like. 
typically we're, we're more pro player than we are pro owner when it comes to these contracts and the way they're set up in the NFL compared to what we see in the NBA and Major League Baseball, uh, which is all collectively bargained. So you can say it's the player's fault for not getting that, and rightfully so. Um, but in this case, the ownership's looking around going, you just went outside the structure of what you had to to make this deal go through. And now if Lamar Jackson, for instance, isn't happy with how things are going, okay, trade me. And he'll get the Detroit Lions to give him the contract that he wants, and he'll go there instead. And you lose out on your franchise QB. You go get the next one, and you spend the big dollars just in the kind of hey. thing we were talking about on the receiver to well, make the lesser. And we should mention this. It's very pro not player. It's very pro player. But not only is it that. Think about what Watson. What we have missed, and what I, what I, when I say we, I've missed this on the the. When I say everything has gone in Watson's favor, including the fact that in September of 2020, he signed a 100 million dollar plus agreement with Houston. And five months later, demanded a trade because it, he wasn't happy. And this was after he got the big money. So not only does he get the big money there and win the negotiation there, five months later, he demands a trade. And a year later, he gets the biggest deal in the history of the game based on guaranteed money. It's, it's a fascinating uh, way of going about things, and it's paid off for Watson, regardless of what you think happened off the field. Yeah, other than those 22 accusations, it's working out well for him. But even that, everything else is working out well. Even that is not playing out the way that the accusers thought it would in criminal court. Um, so, I Drew, mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. The Drew Rosenhaus contract I heard negotiated was Eddie Pinero. Sure enough. Um, and we've got to see the details come out. I don't know why uh, Schefter wouldn't have included it. But it's a $2.75 million deal for who would have been a restricted free agent, which is way too much money for him. So big victory for Drew. But I believe it comes with $700,000 guaranteed. That's what I heard negotiated here. So I look forward to seeing the paper on that deal. And if he got that, he scammed the hell out of the Jets. And I heard it happen right at that table. They had to get there. They had to get Eddie. Eddie Pinero. Eddie, everybody's dying. The big free agent I mean, signing at the league meeting. It's the one we were all waiting on. That's the domino we were waiting to fall all off season. Hey, here, here's now a the kicker market's going to go crazy. Here's Huge. a prediction for you. There will be a kicker in Titans camp that will be cut after missing a kick in training camp or in a preseason game, and that will lead to the Jets signing them and that kicker becoming the next Eddie Pinero when he goes on a streak of making every kick next season for the New York Jets. Chad, your thoughts? Um, and, and I won't have anything on it from Drew Rosenhaus. And in a shocking <laughs> twist, the Titans just elevate James Wilhoyt from his coaching position <laughs> to kick because the other guy can't hit a kick. Stay tuned. More coming on Outkick 360. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Duke and North Carolina have met 257 times in a rivalry that dates back to 1922. And yet somehow, we've never seen them in the NCAA tournament. We will this weekend. For the final four down in New Orleans. Outkick 360 rolls on. By the way, Outkick is going to have complete coverage from the final four with both Trey Wallace and Glenn Gilbo. Both will be 
boots on the ground, as we like to call it in Louisiana, uh, and giving us coverage throughout the week leading up to the Saturday tip-offs of the Final Four. And then Monday, National Championship uh, here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, National Title Watch Party, and live broadcast with Outkick 360. Forever Tar Hill, Brandon Wright will join the show tomorrow also, live in our 6th and Peabody studio, former North Carolina Tar Hill NBA player. Here is my description of both fan bases right now. North Carolina and Brandon Wright, who we were texting with over the weekend, foaming at the mouth with this opportunity <laughs> to retire Coach K and do it in style. Last game being a loss to North Carolina in their first ever NCAA tournament game, Duke fans, very nervous. Very nervous that that might happen. It certainly would not feel right to Duke fans if that was the ending of the rivalry, the ruined retirement party at Cameron Indoor in the finale of the regular season, followed by North Carolina ending Duke season in New Orleans the Final Four. But unlike, unlike the way things went in, in, in uh, Cameron Indoor and Durham, this Duke team throughout the tournament has they found a counter punch. You know, they they've been able to to find a way when things aren't necessarily going their way early in games. Or uh, they found the run in the second half, Chad, when things had not been looking very good to start against Texas Tech, which comes to mind. Um, this Duke team in the tournament different than the Duke team we saw in the regular season at home to North Carolina. Because at that night, Carolina went on the run late, and with five minutes left, you kept going up. Surely this isn't how things are going to end. We're waiting on that one final run, and it never happened because Carolina had an answer. Duke looked lost after that game. Walking off the court in that loss at home to Carolina, they looked lost. They looked lost in the second half in a loss to Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game. And so did Carolina. <laughs> yeah, Carolina got whipped the night before. So it, it just goes to show that sometimes runs can be random and teams figuring it out can be a byproduct of hitting shots, can be a byproduct of a lot of things. Finding a strategy that works with certain players. Jeremy Roach, I think, fits in that category. Boncaro fits into that category for Duke. North Carolina's figured out a lot of things in how to use Brady Manick as that stretch four. Um, they've, they've got things going. So Baycott down low, going to be a factor also. Um, I, I just I love the spectacle of games like this that get both sides nervous. I like games, Hutton, that make the indifferent third-party fan nervous. I'm going to be nervous watching this game for Duke fans, watching the possible end of an era in Coach K and the chance to lose to your Tobacco Road rival, and that's how it ends. It's great theater. I mean, it's perfect. It's almost scripted. The only thing that would have been better for the NCAA tournament is if these two teams met on Monday night instead of Saturday night for a national title. For the title. That's the only thing that could have that, worked out better for the NCAA, for Turner, that's going to be airing these games. The, this will have record numbers of the last 10 or 15 years for a semifinal. That's my prediction. But there's, a, there's something about the anticipation of the Final Four and the second tip-off of the night that I can't wait for. Like, as what, how did Coach K describe it? Crossing the bridge? Crossing the bridge. I told our guys, like, yeah. crossing the, when you cross that bridge into the Final Four, it's a different feeling. Hey, before we say uh, we wrap up things with Paul in Florida, I do want to give a shout-out to Withrow for leading currently the bracket challenge in the final, as we head into the Final Four. And it's, it's not Chad Withrow. It's Adam Withrow. 
Adam wow. Withrow right now is leading the bracket challenge, and the link is in the rundown, guys, is leading the bracket challenge um, with the most possible points to gain. Three of his final four teams are remaining, and he has Kansas and Duke meeting for the national title with Kansas winning. There's, there's someone else tied with him who has Duke winning. So it could come down to Monday's matchup if you get a Duke-Kansas championship. So for anyone curious, Adam is my cousin, is of blood relation to me, sent me a text over the weekend showing his bracket. And um, I got to be honest, I cared so little about his bracket, I just gave him a thumbs up and said, good luck. That's how <laughs> mad I am about my bracket, which is probably dead last in our bracket challenge. But now that I know he's actually leading, I'll say it, with, with a genuine tone this time. Adam, Cousin Adam, good luck to you. God be with you. There it is. There's the proof. There's the bracket challenge. That's what a leading bracket looks like. He has Kansas winning in the tiebreaker, 68-63 over Duke. But there's a lot of green on that bracket and not I, I a lot it. of red lines. I love it when Hutton breaks news to me about my family that I didn't even know. Well, I, went on, I went on to check, and I, I saw it said Withrow. And it's, then in parentheses it said Cousin. I'm like, oh, this is Well, it was this a great Adam. lead, and when you said congrats to Withrow, on the, I'm thinking, am I actually dead last Paul, in this bracket? Because it's possible. Uh, enjoy dinner. Enjoy the uh, sunset in Florida. Adam is also known as the calm voice of reason. In our YouTube chat, for sure, was, no doubt. I was he once the, known as that. Much like Will Smith is a calm voice of reason. <laughs> Adam is in the YouTube chat as well. It's all about love. Yep. In Florida or in Tennessee or wherever you are, don't block the box. Do lock the locks. I'm going to go eat one of the greatest meals out on the lawn here and mingle with media and coaches and everything. It's going to be great. I can't wait to tell you about it tomorrow. You look. Like, you look like a, you went from the hotel to a basilica in the background there, Paul. Enjoy church I had tonight. To near, I had to get near a plug. <laughs> He's at uh, St. Paul's Basilica there instead of St. Peter's. Monday uh, night service. That's right. That's right. We are back at it tomorrow. Brandon Wright will join us. Uh, Carolina Tar Hill, 12-year NBA vet. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com will be on the show. And much, much more. We have plenty of headlines for you. And we'll get in to the news and notes from the NFL. Paul will be back with us from Florida at the NFL League meetings. Hope you'll join us for OutKick 360 across the OutKick Network.